Hello, everyone. I'm Jenna Filipkowski, and you're listening to a new episode of the Human Capital Institute's Nine to Thrive HR. This podcast features experts and practitioners in the field of human resources and brings their knowledge of the most pressing issues facing human capital management straight to you. Right now, I'm joined by Bill Crabe. He's a senior faculty member at the Human Capital Institute and is a master of ceremonies at HCI's virtual and in-person conferences. Welcome, Bill. Thanks, Jenna. It's great to be here. Yeah, I hope you and your family are doing well during this pandemic. Um, It's definitely a challenging time for a lot of us. And I know many organizations are in a period of transition and uncertainty with what the future might look like. And obviously, we're in the business of helping HR get better in their roles. So I'm curious to know from you, how can HR professionals best consult, collaborate, and influence organizational leaders when there are so many important decisions to be made? Well, in many respects, Jenna, I think it's an opportunity to uh, practice some of the skills that we've been talking about in strategic HR for a while now. Uh, The opportunity to really rethink some of the ways in which we do things is happening across business in almost every sector. So as we think about kind of what's coming, I think one of the key roles that HR can play is helping people become comfortable with change, uh, understanding that we have all gone through a change that frankly, is unprecedented in all of our lives. None of us expected it. Uh, It's much more than we thought. You know, if you think back to six years ago, people would think about change as being something that you had to kind of push people through. And yet in the last three months, uh, all of us have gone through change that really we would not have expected to be able to wither uh, and weather. And so I think one of the things HR can do successfully is to really be creative, to think about what we're trying to accomplish, uh, use the elements of design thinking, starting with the end in mind by thinking about what is it that we're trying to produce and use this as an opportunity to question the way that we've done a lot of things in talent management, um, sort of in a variety of different ways. Yeah, I like that optimism. Think of it as an opportunity. Um, And I'm curious of what are some traditional HR processes that can change or maybe are in the process of changing because of this pandemic? Yeah. So uh, I think about sort of the spectrum of of strategic HR. And by the way, I am a a glass half full person and always have been. So um, this has been an awful experience for many, many people. Um, But I also do think it's an opportunity for us to rethink some ways in which things work. Uh, You know, you start with things like strategic workforce planning. Uh, One of the things I've been thinking a lot about over the course of the last two months, because I teach a lot on the topic of strategic workforce planning, you know, what is What is the purpose of workforce planning in an age in which everything is changing really rapidly, very high rates of unemployment, lots of people out of work? You know, is there even a point to trying to guess um, what's coming three months, six months, two years down the road? And the answer is the same as it's always been, which is it's limited in terms of its value, but only in comparison to the to the value of doing nothing. And so. I think with strategic workforce planning, for instance, we are seeing uh, lots of different potential models for the rollout of uh, of business and the economy in relation to COVID-19. And if you think about multiple different scenarios, uh, which are now being, I think, publicized more just because we're all curious about what the future might look like. None of us knows. And so we're all saying to ourselves, well, what happens six months from now or a year from now? Well, because that's the case, I think we're seeing the availability of multiple models uh, in a way that maybe we hadn't necessarily seen before. 
And I think HR is in a position to help lead the effort to say, well, let's say what happens with each of these models. How would we think about what this means for our workforce? And again, uh, that brings to bear a variety of different skills, some of which HR has, has become very well practiced in, some might be new muscles. But there's an opportunity, uh, because everybody is sort of uncertain about what the future looks like, to lead the charge on being able to think about what the future of talent might look like in those different scenarios that I referenced. When you think about things like learning and development, uh, almost everybody in our space, uh, and I think you, uh, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit more, uh, has questions about what learning and development looks like in an era in which many organizations have, for out of necessity, scrapped any sort of in-person learning. And so the question is, how do we help people learn? And a lot of organizations, even GE, uh, most famous for probably for learning and development uh, over the years, has been in the process of rethinking things like Crotonville for quite some time. Uh, it still exists, but the question is, well, what is the purpose of it? And as we think about learning and development, I think there's a new question that says, what are the skills that we're likely to need now? And what are the skills that we're likely to need some point in the future? And how can we build those skills into something that happens as rapidly as possible and uh, begin to utilize for better or worse, all of our new comfort level with um, virtual learning um, and virtual communication in a way that we perhaps weren't necessarily comfortable with before. You know, we've all become that. In fact, I, I was doing a New York Times crossword this morning and uh, saw that there was a question that had to do basically with how to escape out of a particular screen. And I thought that's a COVID-19 derivative right there, because we all are getting out of screens and into screens and going out of full screen mode and into full, small screen mode much more frequently than you ever did before. That is leading to kind of a societal change and comfort with uh, virtual interaction that I think could be leveraged and we, as we think about strategic HR and the learning and development space. So those are a couple, uh, but I think if you think across the spectrum of uh, traditional talent management functions and practices, strategic talent acquisition, you know, again, in, in large numbers of um, unemployment and uh, lots of people out of work, on the other hand, lots of companies are hiring lots and lots of people really quickly. The question becomes, well, what's the core competencies to strategic talent acquisition? I would submit that it, it is the ability to think really critically about what strategic roles really are. Uh, if you had to say for a company that is hiring lots of people, what are the roles that need to go to the top of the list? They are the roles that allow us to continue to rebound uh, from the effects of the coronavirus and be able to restart uh, the business in a way that perhaps it hasn't been before. I would also suggest that organizations are going to be faced with providing value to consumers in different ways than they had to six months ago. And as they do that, uh, probably the roles that will need to be recruited for and the roles that we think of as strategic roles and strategic workforce planning might begin to change. And those are an opportunity to be able to think a little bit differently as well. Yeah, it's such an interesting time to think all of this change has happened so fast for a lot of us. And then there's a lot of short-term thinking, but when you're being strategic and you're thinking about the long-term, 
that tends to go away when you're in almost like a panic mode and you're just focused on what do you need to do today to survive? So it's a very curious time to think about how can HR be involved in that and thinking about the long-term strategy, think about what sustainability looks like, thinking about the skills that are needed in their workforce and how can HR support their businesses and their organizations to have that happen. And I love what we do at HCI because we help HR get better in their roles so all organizations can thrive. And I know you often work with leaders um, curating and delivering learning content for their HR teams. And can you speak a little bit about the capabilities that they're looking to build in HR and for what reasons are they doing so? Yeah, well, I'll start with the second part first, Jenna. I think the reasons are are now obvious, uh, which is we are in a world of unprecedented change. I don't think any of us necessarily knew what that meant three months ago. Now we do. And in that world, we need to be, A, more adaptable. And so I think one of the key skill sets that we try to build into strategic HR is this ability to see as much as we can what's coming, and that comes to a different competency I'll talk about here in a second, uh, react to it and be prepared to adapt if necessary. You know, as I think about one of the models that we talk about in one of the courses that we teach is the concept of agile and agile HR. Many folks are, are familiar with the agile software development model, but uh, it can be applied to a variety of different and is being applied to a variety of different parts of business. And because that's the case, the whole idea of agile is to be adaptable, to react in a different way. And as we think about things like Agile HR, this ability to test something, see if it's working, bring back the feedback, and then constantly iterate and adapt is what I would think of as probably likely to be the new normal as we think about talent management. Another big competency um, is is the ability and comfort with data. Uh, So the ability to understand it, communicate it, see what's coming and be able to draw insights out of data. Um, Maybe more important now than ever, uh, because this ability to sort of say, what do we see in the numbers and how can we use what little bits of success that might one sector might be finding to try to replicate that is all going to be contingent on the ability to analyze and understand data. And the third that I would offer is comfort with change. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, We've been teaching for uh, a year or two now a course on change management for HR. And I think that skill set is critical because this ability to say not only how do we help people adapt and understand what change is coming, but how do we build the muscle that really speaks to adaptability? Uh, To some extent, agile and change management have some very similar things in common in that they are ultimately about being adaptable and open to uh, changing existing structures. And I think we've all seen why that's important and why that will continue to be important as we try to get back to normal in this country and around the world. And I think change is a key part of that. So as you think about what goes into helping HR lead change, first of all, it's understanding what that means, Um, not necessarily driving every change initiative, but helping each individual in an organization understand why change is happening and get past the relative hurdles to making it happen and come out on the other side. So I'd start with those three, at least the ability to be adaptable and creative, the ability to work and understand data. And third, the ability to guide and lead change and lead change and guide other people through it as kind of key competencies uh, for HR these days. 
Yeah, I I'd certainly agree. And as you know, we, we launched our People Analytics for HR certification not too long ago because we believe strongly that HR needs a foundation of data and analytics skills to influence, to help make decisions, to guide the workforce strategy. So definitely extremely important. And often data and agility are linked because once you have ready access to data, you realize how quickly or the need for change more readily. So um, 100% agree. Yeah. 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 Um, so speaking of our, our certifications, and I know you do a lot of them online and when we were in person, you were teaching our in-person classrooms. And sometimes we hear resistance to online training, but now many organizations don't have a choice and learning and training must happen remotely. So someone with your facilitation skills, how can these experiences be optimized so learners are engaged and they're connecting and they're learning and they're they're feeling like they're part of it, even though they're at home. Well, that's funny. I have a 12-year-old, and so um, I've been thinking a lot about that in relation to his own learning, but I also think it's uh, germane to a much broader subset of society. I think we are all uh, sort of trying to figure out what it means when we go from a classroom-based approach where you've got the expert at the front of the room and they're telling the other people sort of what they know. And by the way, I, I would put myself on that list of people that have, have historically done that, um, being in, in, in front of the room, sort of saying, okay, this is what I know, write it down and learn from it. I think in the world that we now live in, uh, and maybe we'll continue to live in for some period of years and maybe um, out into the future, we're going to be in a place where learning needs to move. And I think I go back to my college days, and I, I'm assuming that most uh, listeners would have a similar experience uh, and their own college environment, but there were two types of, of learning. We had lectures and we had labs. And so the lectures were places where you went and you listened to the person at the front of the room and you wrote down the notes. And oftentimes those things were the things that were on the exam. I think I would suggest changing that uh, and flipping that around and saying that what we're really trying to move to is a place where the lab situation gets replicated, where the facilitator, the teacher's role is not to be the one that is standing at the front of the room telling people sort of what they know, but instead moving to a place where they are facilitating the collaboration and the uh, experience of sharing information between the cohorts, because in that experience, there's lots of learning to be had. And so I'm hoping that uh, my son's school will be able to uh, incorporate some of that rather than just taking the lecture and bringing it into an online environment to instead take the lab and bring it into a place where we can use technology. So for instance, um, just last night, my wife and I were talking about this. I thought, well, what, what would happen if we went through an exercise, you did it, and then you emailed it to one other person and that person emailed it to another person and that person emailed it to another person. That interaction between each subset of people would offer learning in a different way than just listening to one person. And it's that kind of replicating that kind of, either, you know, in corporate world, we have much more sophisticated tools to do it than just one-on-one -on -one emails. Uh, things like Slack and other ways in which we can communicate one-on-one -on -one and in group, um, I think are, are probably, at least in the short term, the future of learning and maybe longer term than that. Yeah, I think so too. The, the future of learning is happening right above me right now. My preschooler is in a Zoom Spanish class. So it's it's, it's very interesting times for sure. Um, 
and in that example of preschool, but also an example of our, our certification programs, we want to be very intentional about facilitating connections and learning from peers um, because we understand you want to build your network and you also want to learn from others. So we have cohorts of HR professionals from the same organization often attend HCI trainings and HCI conferences. And from your experience, Bill, can you share the value of this shared learning experience, particularly for the coworkers, um, and what might the organization get out of that that experience? Sure. I mean, I think so, Jenna. If you, if you and I went to the same conference, uh, we were listening to a presenter. We'd each hear the same presentation, but we'd each hear it in different ways. And the way that we decided to do something based on it might be entirely different. So. If you've got four people from the same organization listening to the same keynote presenter, those people are all thinking about what that presenter means in a somewhat different way. And when you bring all those things back together, uh, they represent kind of what I think of as the seeds of of the creative, adaptable approach that we were talking about earlier. Uh, There's enormous value in having people, multiple people hear the same message because each of them are interpreting it somewhat differently. And picking up things that others don't, you know, to be honest, every presentation, and I, I've had the great pleasure and honor to MCHCI's conferences for the last five years. Well, I find that really interesting. But over the course of a 30-minute presentation, I might space out for two minutes. Well, those two minutes might be really important, but the person next to me might be spacing out at a different two minutes. And so that ability to um, reinforce what everybody's hearing uh, with sort of the collective, I think is important. And one of the key benefits of both attending conferences together, attending classes together, experiencing any kind of learning together, I think has that benefit. Yeah, I agree. I I certainly agree. Um, Bill, I think we're out of time, but it's always a pleasure. I miss seeing you at our conferences and it's always a pleasure to speak with you and and thank you for being with us today. Likewise. It's been uh, my pleasure, Jenna. Hope to see you virtually and in person again soon. If you'd like to hear more from Bill, he regularly facilitates our certification programs for individuals and for HR teams. Head over to hci.org certifications to learn more. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed your time with us. For Nine to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in.